Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, whether you are just starting out in the world of e-commerce or whether you're, you know, a bit like me, uh, as they like to call me in the office, a bit of a dinosaur. Uh, that's what they call me in the office now, as I've been around a while in the world of e-commerce and digital business. Yes, if you've been like me, great. If you're new, great. It's great to see you. It's great that you're here. This show is all about helping you develop and grow your online businesses. That's what we do. That's why we're here, right? So you're in the right place if that applies to you. Now, every week I get to talk to amazing people from the world of e-commerce. I get to ask them all kinds of questions about what they know and how it's going to help us develop online, which is what we're here for, right? Uh, I, I say that I try and have the conversation that you would have with them if you got to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. Okay, so that's the plan. That's the aim. I, I kind of like to dig into their story. I like to learn, you know, what they know. Suck out the principles that is going to help us start and adapt and grow our own online business. Now, if you're a regular to the show, you will know that as we go through, I also take uh, notes with my trusty pen and paper. Even in this digital age, I still use pen and paper. Uh, and if you're like me and you like to take notes, fantastic. If you can't, don't panic because we've got you covered. Oh yes, we have. You'll be able to get all of the notes from today's show uh, on our website. So we put the transcripts, any links, you know, that will come up in the show, links to our guest. Uh, I'm going to introduce our guest in just a second, but all of that stuff is in our show notes and you can get them just by going to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 62 because this is episode number 62 already. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, so uh, do go and get those, okay? Now, if you enjoy the content, if you enjoy the show, then I would appreciate it if you like it, uh, if you're watching it online, if you don't know and you're listening to the audio version, which is, no, I know I know from the numbers that that's where the majority of the people consume this show uh, is on the podcast. And I don't blame you because someone once said to me, I've got a beautiful face for radio. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, but I know that some of you also watch the videos. Uh, we put the video of the, of the recording out on YouTube, uh, which you can get at YouTube.com com forward slash e-commerce podcast. You can watch that there. Uh, you can see it on Facebook. Uh, and if you're so inclined, we record these uh, podcasts every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. here in the UK, which means because we have a regular time slot, we also live stream the recording. Yes, we do. So if you're around at that sort of time, uh, then why not come check us out on the live stream either on YouTube or Facebook, because there you get to join in, ask your questions and all kinds of stuff. Okay. So what are we getting into this week? Well, on this week's e-commerce podcast, we are talking about how to take your e-commerce business from startup to growth. OK, that's where we're heading. That's what we're wanting to do. You know, when you're kind of first starting a business, I don't know if you're like me, I've started a few over my time, but you can't you want to know uh, what do I need to do to get me from sort of this point zero from ground zero to, I don't know, maybe a few hundred bucks in sales. Or what do I need to do when my business starts to grow and I start to have a little bit of success? 
How do I scale? What do I think about? Well, these are questions that we're getting into this week as I get to chat with Maureen Mwangi about the importance of focusing on each stage of the business and resisting the urge. Yes, you heard me right. Resisting the urge to scale prematurely. Uh, I could tell you a few stories about that, let me tell you. Now, Maureen is the brand growth strategist behind some of America's most beloved brands like L'Oreal. Dove and Lay's. Not that I know who Lay's is in the UK. Actually, I think they make chips, uh, as you'd call them in the States. Crisps, as we'd call them in the UK from memory. Anyway, I, I recognise Dove and L'Oreal and Maureen's work with them. And she's a creator uh, of the Big Brand Academy, the Product Profit Lab and Star World let me start that again. Start Wood Consulting, a consulting firm dedicated to teaching product-based entrepreneurs, the sales and marketing strategies they need to scale with scientific precision. Love that. Uh, so you can turn your product brands into household names. That's what Maureen does. That's her track record. That's her background, which makes her a perfect guest for the show. Uh, it says here that Maureen's zone of genius, I love these phrases, Maureen's zone of genius is her rare ability to connect with the market and turn real data into brand growth strategies that drive multi-million dollar growth. Wow. Okay, so super, super excited to have Maureen on the show. She is definitely the right kind of guest that we want. So uh, like I said at the start, grab your notebooks, and if you can't, head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 62 to get all of the notes, the links and everything, including, uh, and I'll mention it later uh, at the end of the show, this week's giveaway. You are not going to want to miss this one. Uh, Maureen's got a great uh, uh, giveaway. Giveaway, I think I need to come up with a better name. Anyway, you kind of get the, you, you kind of get what I mean. That's coming up at the end of the show. I will explain to you what that's all about. So make sure you stay tuned for that. So, whew, all of that said, let me uh, let me let's just bring Maureen on show. Without further ado, uh, here is Maureen. Maureen, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thank you for having me here, Matt. I'm so excited to come here and share my experience. Ah, oh, love it. So excited to be here. Absolutely. No, it's great to have you. Really appreciate it. Now, for those of uh, those of us who are curious to know, whereabouts are you beaming in from? Whereabouts in the world are you right now? I am live here from Dallas, Texas in the US. Yeah, Dallas, Texas. You know what? I have some really, really good friends who live in Dallas. Uh, love them to bits. Really wonderful people. And I've, I've had the, the fortune of spending a bit of time with them in Dallas, flying over a few times to see them. And the first time that I got to Dallas, they said to me, you know, uh, what do you want to do while you're here? And of course, we did the usual stuff. We went to the football stadium and I looked at the big colossal football stadium. Um, but the most important thing for me was to take a trip to South Fork Ranch, uh, where they mm. filmed the 80s TV show Dallas. I don't know if you've been out that far, but that was a real treat for me, let me tell you. Oh my God, did you have? Did you at least try to have some barbecue? You always have to barbecue. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we did, we did the barbecue thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had some amazing, let me tell you, it was some amazing food. There's no doubt in my mind uh, that, and you know what? Now you've mentioned that I'm hungry again. So <laughs> Texan barbecue, yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant. How long have you been in Texas for, or Dallas? I've been in, I've been in Texas for just about two years. 
but I feel like I've just, I've always lived in a new state every two years. So when I moved to the US, I was in New York, then I moved to Stamford, Connecticut, then I moved to Washington, DC, then I landed in Texas. I don't know where I'll be in the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got like, um, oh, what do they call it now? You know, the itchy feet syndrome where you feel, where you, you kind of, you're like Jack Reacher, you know, from the novels. Every every You just have to keep moving on, keep moving on. I think for me, it's opportunities have for, uh, forced me to move. Like I always get opportunities presented to me and I love trying new experiences. So I just jump in and I'm like, let me go and learn and see what I'm going to take out of this place. Well, you know what? I mean, that attitude right there, right, I think is what separates people who are entrepreneurial. Um, from everybody else in a lot of respects. It's the ability to see an opportunity and go, let me have at it for a little while. Let's have a go, see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. I've got a, I've got a hopeful feeling. I've got an optimistic outlook, yeah. but we just don't know. Let's have a go. And yes. I, I love that. I love that. So have you always been like that? I, I, I have always been like that, but I also do understand that I have some entrepreneurial blood inside of me because both my parents are entrepreneurs. They've been entrepreneurs since I was born. So all I know is risk-taking, identifying an opportunity <laughs> and just jumping in. <laughs> I think that's a, a hats off to your parents for doing that. I think that's a, a marvellous way to bring up children, uh, understanding risk-taking and spotting an opportunity. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So what would you say? And I'm just curious here. What's the biggest risk you've taken so far? My biggest risk I've taken so far is packing up my bags, two suitcases from Kenya and relocating to the US with no family here. And you did that, uh, did you say what, four, six years ago, somewhere around there? Uh, no, 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 seven years ago. Seven years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so and, and what what drove you just to pack up your bags and move from Kenya to the States? It wasn't the weather, uh, obviously. No, I wanted to pursue um, higher education. I've always, I really wanted to learn outside of Kenya mm -hmm. and um, the US and the UK would provide those opportunities. So I applied to both um, uh, I applied to both places, but ended up getting accepted in the in the US. So I moved to a small town called Rochester, New York, that is completely cold. So imagine moving from the tropics <laughs> to close to <laughs> negative temperatures, never seen snow, don't know anybody. Like literally, yeah. it was like the most scariest thing I've ever done in my life. But it opened up doors that otherwise I would not have been able to um, see open. Yeah. Now, be <laughs> honest with me, Maureen. How has uh, the weather of Dallas, Texas also influenced you in moving down south? 150%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is uh, there's, it's not just risk and opportunity, it's also the temperature of the weather. And you mix those three things together and that's where you're heading, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's unlikely to be Alaska, your next stop. Oh, no. <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant so uh, you've been in the states then seven years and so your biggest risk was obviously uh moving from kenya and i take it your family is still in kenya or have they moved yes. over okay they're still everyone is still in kenya so have you found it i i guess i you know has it been difficult for you to head back and see the family over lockdown oh yeah oh yeah we 
So I have a very interesting story. I was supposed to have my wedding um, last year and then lockdown happened six weeks before my wedding. No. So yeah, so no. ever since, oh. since lockdown happened, we haven't had a chance to see our parents. We actually thought we would go in December. Then there was a spike when COVID came. Then we thought we would go this year. They actually have a lockdown in Kenya because they're having a surge in the COVID numbers. It's literally like a roller coaster. So right now my, my husband and I are like, we're just going to wait and see what happens. <laughs> you know, it might be two or three years since we go back. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But did, mm -hmm. did the wedding go ahead? No, it still hasn't happened. Wow. Wow. But we did our cultural wedding. So so we had just done our cultural wedding. So we were going for the um, official white gown wedding um, six weeks before COVID lockdown. Okay. And was that the one mm -hmm. that, was that going to draw all the family in? Or were yes. you going to fly back to Kenya to do that? Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. Because culturally, in our community, you are technically supposed to get married where the girl's family is. So my husband's family is in the U.S., but my family is in Kenya. So because my parents are there, we have to uh, get married there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope the doors open up for you soon because, you know, no girl yeah. should ever have to wait for a wedding, right? That's just... <laughs> for two years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read that script in in in, in all the stories. But um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. But hopefully, hopefully it'll all come off soon. Jeez, I got married. My wife and I. This is not related to e-commerce. And if you're tuning into the show, we are an e-commerce podcast, and we will get to the, the e-commerce. Uh, my wife and I have literally this week just celebrated our 23rd wedding anniversary. So Amazing. I was. Yeah, yeah. She's not killed me, and that's no. That's let me tell you, that's a miracle. Right. Uh, she's a remarkable woman uh, that uh, that puts up with a lot from me. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, fascinating, fascinating. Anyway, let's talk about e-commerce um, and specifically business. So when we did the pre-call, Maureen, and and again, regulars to the show will know that what happens is I always have like a separate call with our guests and we kind of have a conversation for 20, 30 minutes, figuring out what we are going to talk about on the show. Um, and during that conversation, we talked a lot about moving from startup to this growth thing, hence the title for the show. Um, so what is it about this, this moving through stages that, that draws you in? Um, that's a really good question. And it's because uh, through my experience being in this space, I have seen that people make a lot of mistakes when they're starting. Mm -hmm. So they're not able to grow and scale their e-commerce businesses like they traditionally should uh, be able to do so. And I think this is, um, I'm biased because I have worked with the big brands. So I have been able to see how they move a baby idea to a multi-million dollar brand. So seeing their growth journey and also coming into the entrepreneurial space and seeing what entrepreneurs are doing, I quickly noticed there's a disconnect. Okay. And I was like, it's time for me to put this message out there because everybody who wants to be an entrepreneur is entitled to having a successful business. But the reason people don't have successful businesses is because they don't have the knowledge and the understanding of what they need to do at each stage of growth in their mm. entrepreneurial journey. That's 
That's it in a nutshell right there, isn't it? Because I, I still, you know, I've been running um, e-commerce businesses for almost 20 years, right? I mean, that's a long old time in the digital world. And yet I kind of still feel a little bit like a beginner. Do you know what I mean? And it's, and it's, it is interesting when you look at what the big brands do with their massive multi-million dollar budgets and see how they, how they drive things forward. So you mentioned um, that you see a lot of mistakes made when people are starting. So what are some of the key mistakes that we are likely to make? The biggest mistake I have seen is entrepreneurs thinking that because they already have a product on hand, they have a business. So, and what am I saying? If anybody who has an idea, the first thing in the e-commerce space is to run and buy the product Mm -hmm. without thinking about what needs to happen before you get the product. That's mistake number one. Mistake mistake number two is um, a lot of trial and error. So there's this um, behavior where people are piecing fragmented information from different industries, from different sources, trying to see which one actually works, but not understanding that each business is unique. And because your business and your concept and your concept idea and your brand is unique, you really need to take time to de- develop and create a growth strategy and plan. Just because another entrepreneur did one thing doesn't mean that you can copy and paste what they did and see the same success. Yeah. No, I see that a lot. I see that, especially in the YouTube world where there's 10,000 stories on YouTube about a guy who, you know, uh, went from zero to hero quite quickly. And we, we kind of watch that do the same stuff. And of course it doesn't work out. So, um, yeah, we see that a lot in the, so, okay. So let me, let me just, um, so the first mistake you talked about is this belief that if you've got a product, you've got a business, um, mm-hmm. what, Let's dig into that a little bit more. What do you, what do you mean by that? Um, what I mean is the first thing as an upcoming entrepreneur is supposed to think about how do I build a community to, mm-hmm. to, to get people to rally behind this product I want to create? Because at okay. the end of the day, that product that you're seeking to bring to market is going to be sold to a person and to a number of people. Yeah. So it's how do I create that community? How do I identify that customer? How, how should I become the voice of the customer so that I can have a cult like raving fan of people ready to buy before I bring the product? Well, on Very the flip good. side, people have the product, then they go and look for, identify who's actually going to buy. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that strategy, you tend to get so overwhelmed, so frustrated when people don't buy. Then you get into this cycle of promoting, discounting, adding more things, mm-hmm. and then you become so confused than you initially were when you were getting into this journey. I'm with you. So if I if I just echo back what I've heard you say there, Maureen, what, what you're talking about is traditional and I, I, I've seen this a thousand times, right? So I'm just going to pull out something random off my desk here. So I've got, I use this all the time. I've got a little Lego figure. It's Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and I've got these. I've got a thousand of these and I think cool. And I'm going to put them online and sell them. And I'm going to go and try and find people to buy them. That's a traditional route. If I've heard what you've said correctly, what you're saying is actually I need to be concerned first and foremost about f- building that community first before 
um, the, the product. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So how do I, um, how do I, how do I think about that? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the, you know, the guy listening to the show who's, who's, who's building his e-commerce business that has maybe, maybe, maybe gone and got the thousand, you know, the thousand little uh, Indiana Jones Lego pieces already. How does he, how does he, how does he sort of pause, maybe pause is the wrong word, but how does he go about and build this community? Great question. So first of all, what I want to do is now shift your thinking from product to brand and now start thinking about it as brand to product. So first things first, as a CEO of your company, ask yourself, what brand am I seeking to build? Okay. What is my story? Why am I putting it out there? Who am I seeking to target and reach with this product and why? What is it that they're going through? What is it that they're aspiring to, to achieve in their life? And how will my product meet, uh, meet them where they are? Once you think about this person, you will start identifying where do they hang out. Mm-hmm. I'm, th- I'm thinking about if you're creating like a vegan um, food mm-hmm. and you know I'm speaking to somebody who is vegan, wants clean eating. There's so many forums online that you can find them. Mm-hmm. Vegan community, health and wellness eating community, Instagram, there's the places where people are using hashtags. Go interacting with them as well as putting out content that your audience is consuming right now. Mm-hmm. Begin engaging, begin engaging, relationship building, and naturally they come back and follow your page if you're using Instagram and you slowly start pulling people to you. In the age right now, we have clubhouse. Are there clubhouse showrooms that you'd start talking about, uh, talk about vegan, health and eating, then say, you can follow me on X, Y, and Z, and you will see what my brand is all about. And at the same time, when you're building this community, you're also educating them. Yeah. Why, why, this, why this diet? Why this food? Why your brand? What are the mistakes you people have made? What are the misconceptions in this space? So you're sort of building a relationship. You're driving human connection. You're humanizing your brand. So by the time you're putting your product, you're putting out to people who already know what you're all about. The minute they fall in love with your product, they begin doing referral strategies, word of mouth sales. So from the get-go, you're already making money without investing in paid traffic that is often being uh, t- uh, touted in the online space that have a product, run Facebook ads, you become rich. Yes, you will become rich. But if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to be so confused. Yeah, yeah. you'll become poor. It's actually yeah. it's probably, <laughs> exactly. it's probably the truth. So, so I'm, I'm loving this. So first, stop thinking about the change your thinking from product to brand. Um, and so uh, uh, let's let's dig into that a little bit as well, because um, I I. I wonder how many people know what brand actually is or what brand means, because in a lot of people's minds, it just means to have a really nice logo, right? Uh, or a nice box or a nice website. Um, but you, you you use certain words that makes me think in your mind, it's more than that. Things like story and education. Yes. So yes. Let, what, let's define brand a little bit more. So what do you mean when you're when you're talking about brand? Just expand that thinking for me. Um, this is what I say. Branding is why people buy you 
marketing is how people find you. So oh, when yeah, you do, like that. say that again, sorry, brand. Branding is why people buy you. Marketing is how people find you. So with that simple line, it's why should people spend money on your brand? Mm -hmm. See what I did on your yep. brand, not your product. Yeah. So it's um, what's the higher order purpose of your, your brand? What are you trying to make your uh, audience feel? Because at the end of the day, to me, a brand is an emotion. It's, it's how do I draw that connection and why should I give you my dollars? Yeah. Because yeah. it's so funny. <laughs> like there's certain sense that if my friends have them, they remind me of something. I have a best friend who wears the exact same scent my mom wears. And every day I meet her, I'm just like, you remind me of my mom. And because of that, if I'm missing my mom, I'll just go and buy it. Mm -hmm. Not because I need it. <laughs> but because it reminds me of something. So what is that emotional connection you can, you can create with your product? And how do people associate, how, how can people uh, connect your product to a particular occasion? Mm -hmm. The big brands do it so well. Think about Starbucks. You, re you think of Starbucks when you want to pick me up. Mm -hmm. You think of Red Bull when you're looking for caffeine. You think of Coke when you're looking for a refreshing drink. So how can your audience identify an occasion or a situation and connect to your product. That's the work that we want to be doing. And is, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I, I like it. I guess in my head, what I'm thinking here, Maureen, is, mm -hmm. and, and this is where you're going to correct me, so feel the freedom. Uh, but this is where I kind of go, you know what, um, Starbucks has a whole department geared towards creating that connection and that emotional connection. There are some very clever people at Starbucks who can help with that side of things. I'm not that clever, right? And I, I'm only just a little bit emotionally aware. So how do I, how do I go about figuring out what that should be for me and, and, and how to create that sense of connection with a community if it's just me without the big books of a, a branding department? You do it with what your product is, is seeking to achieve in the market. So even at a small scale level, like right now, we are working with a client to uh, create an identity around if I have hyperpigmentation, I, I should think about this product. Mm -hmm. And how you do that is constantly driving that messaging, constantly pushing those products that support that message. In the e-commerce space, we have so many products. We are always diverted in different directions. So we, we can't be known for one thing, mm -hmm. right? So what I usually recommend if you're starting, start with a hero set of products and push them over time. Yeah. Be known for that. If it's defined calls, be known for your products uh, creating defined calls and patterns. And over time, when people are looking for a defined color a product, they will think of you. Mm -hmm. And even customers will start using those words and you can start trademarking it. Yeah. The thing is with the big brands, it sounds big, but they've done it for so long that it's now second nature. But we as small entrepreneurs don't give a, we don't give it time. 
If one thing doesn't stick, we move to something else. And we know without focus, you just lose direction. You just get confused. Yeah, yeah. no, you do. And I, it's the shiny object syndrome, isn't it? The moving <laughs> from one thing to another. And I like that, especially because with e-commerce, you're right. I, you know, I, I, a common question I get asked by people is, listen, should I start an e-commerce business? I've only got a few products. And I'm actually, I actually go, yes, you should, because that's the, the in some respects, that's the better way to start. Yes. Um, and, and that's what you're saying, isn't it? You have a few hero products, start with those, build your business around those, and you can introduce the other stuff as you get more successful. Um, but if you, it's very hard, I think, to set, set up um, an e-commerce business that in effect is like a, how can I call it, a supermarket. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it's very hard now, unless you've got yeah. a lot of money behind you, yes. it's very hard to set up a website which sells a thousand products. Um, it's much easier to set up a website that's selling three or four or mm-hmm. ten products or something like that. So, um, no, I like that. I like what And the other thing that springs to my mind more in listening to you talk is actually this building of the community and this establishing of the brand. I can do that long before I've got a website. I can start. Oh, yes. I, and long before I start investing money in stock, right? Yep. I can be doing that now while all this other stuff is happening. Proof of concept. Is there a market yes. and so on and so forth? Is, is that right? Yes, absolutely, a thousand percent. That's good. I like it when you're nodding your head. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you said that because new entrepreneurs get so caught up on, I need the website, I need 150 products, I need X, Y, and Z. All the back end infrastructure that doesn't lead to sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, told, all you yeah. should be focusing on is sales and visibility to gain that traction and then the back end will come when at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very good. That's very good. So this comes down to um, your brand voice. This is a phrase I hear a lot, isn't it? Your brand yes. voice. Um, it's the personality behind your brand. We're doing some work with um, one of the e-commerce sites I'm involved with at the moment. It's funny you say vegan. We, we supply uh, vegan, um, Health supplements is one of the brands that we have uh, to the market. And we're going through, actually, uh, we're going through a huge rebranding at the moment. Um, And we've drafted some very clever people in, all asking exactly the same sort of questions you're asking, Maureen. I'm not going to lie. I feel like, you know, I could have saved myself a few quid. Um, But the, the thing that I find fascinating about all of this is this phrase, brand voice. It's like, what does, what's, and this is the stuff it's actually quite hard to describe. What's the, what do people feel when they see your brand and product? Um, It's actually, it sounds really easy, but it's not that straightforward to do. I found, I don't know if you found that, you know, how, how do you, how do you determine how people feel? What, how would you go about figuring that out? If you're, how do you determine how people feel is usually manifested in different ways. It could be the words you're currently using and the colors that you're actually using. Mm -hmm. A combination of colors and words tends to drive the perception of your brand. Yeah. So if you have an audience, you can do basic market research. They'll tell you how they're feeling. They'll tell you your tone. If you're literally just starting, a great exercise I usually recommend is creating a Pinterest board with different inspirations of how you would want people to feel when they interact with your brand. Yeah. So if you're, if you're thinking around, I want a fresh 
feel. So um, your Pinterest board would probably have a light blue touch of it, the ocean, yeah. um, it probably have water. So when you put that together in like a, a PowerPoint slide or a Word document, immediately there's a feeling that gets evoked. Yeah. And that will determine your tone and yeah. your voice. Yeah. And your color but, palette and all and that. And your color sort of palette, yeah. But yeah. we don't spend time doing this, right? No, we what don't. What happens yeah. when, when we're starting is we go see your competitors. They have this color. You assume that's what you need to have. Then you go and create a lighter shade, and then you have a business. But then you realize that you've built a business that is not in alignment with who you truly are or what you truly want. Yeah. That's very true. In fact, I remember uh, this time last year, right? I had um, I was having a conversation with Rich, my friend from Dallas, Texas. There's no word of a lie. It's just, you've just <laughs> brought this all back to me. And we were we were doing something. Uh, I was involved in a project online, and Rich, um, who is is also an expert in marketing and branding, he basically came along to me and said, "What are you doing? That is just that's that's you doing the product. That's that that's you not thinking about anything." ahead of time right and so we did exactly what you just said i went to pinterest i went on on google we defined who our customer was so we knew that we were aiming at people in their mid-30s um they were you know they were starting to become successful probably just started the family thing maybe early married um they've just bought their first house so we understood where they were in life so i could go to pinterest and I could find all the things that intrigued these people in that age range. What kind of fonts were on the signs? Do you know what I mean? What kind of colors? What did they dress like? What did they wear? What size did they shop at? And we put together this whole mood board. And very quickly, I realized that everything that we had done was entirely wrong. <laughs> because, because what was resonating with that target market was actually not what I had put online. And so we we then spent um, a good three or four weeks radically changing everything quite quickly. And can I tell you, when we did the engagement from our community, skyrocketed, yes. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And 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 it's such a great example of what I just said. It's a human connection. Mm -hmm. Like we are speaking to humans, and we need to understand who you're speaking to because when you do, the engagement and the connection will happen fast. Yeah. It's not hard. But we choose to make it hard, but it's also because we don't have the information and the resources to know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. But actually what you've said here, Maureen, is it's it's very doable. And I think if you're listening to the show and you're just starting out, or you've been around this for a while and you've never really done this kind of thing. Actually, this is very doable. It took us, you know, it took me probably about a day of my time just to sit down, understand who the people I was aiming at. And then just researching where they shopped online. What kind of houses did they buy? What did they put in their houses? What kind of patterns did they like? What kind of colors did they like? And it just came from looking at Pinterest, <laughs> just looking at the stuff that they liked. Uh, and it was it was remarkable. Pinterest and Instagram just put it all together for me. And so it is doable. I think it's more than doable. And I think you're right. I think it's such a sensible thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so. I feel like we could carry on talking about this, but it's kind of like I'm I'm building my brand and I'm starting to identify my community and the tribe and I'm starting to sort of slowly engage with that tribe, right? I'm starting <laughs> to engage with that community. 
Um, and I'm doing that even before I put an e-commerce website out there. I'm posting on forums, I'm answering questions, I'm creating blog posts, I'm creating live streams or YouTube videos or some kind of content to put out there to build the community. I get that. So what's where do we go from there? Is that Once the you, point where I get my product and then start running like a yes. crazy guy trying to sell it? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yes, that's a point where you are getting your product and now you're creating your pro product um, to succeed in the market. Mm -hmm. So because you've understood who you're selling it to, then you're going to start pricing it according to your target market. Because oftentimes, if you haven't done this work, you end up pricing it based on what you've seen your competitors do. Mm -hmm. So when you do this, either you're not going to be profitable or you're just going to get out of business over a period of time because you'll realize you're not sustainable. So once you yeah. have the right pricing with the right positioning, then your goal is to sell your product however you can. So you can do it online, you can do it offline, because if you are talking to moms with kids, you can go to parks, you can go to events, you can go to pop-up shops, like you have everything you need to sell your product anywhere you can. Mm -hmm. And you begin making money, you validate your concept. Once you validated your concept, then start setting up the infrastructure to allow you to grow and scale. So you talk about um, validating your concept, uh, mm -hmm. which I, I think is a great phrase. How do I, but how do I do that? What, is, what are some of the practical steps I could take to validate my, my idea of, you know, Lego Indiana Jones? How would I, how would I do that? First, first easy way to validate if the concept uh, works, if it sells, mm -hmm. if you hit your launch target sales, fantastic. The second thing is because you've sold it to human beings doing a post launch research with them, sending them a basic question, pulsing them in your community. What do you like about the product? What don't you like about the product? What improvements can we make? Then if once you consolidate all those feedback, you'll make an executive decision and be like, either the product is 100% good enough or it has some room to get better. If it has room to get better, make it better and then bring it, uh, uh, bring it back to life with the um, enhanced uh, factors. Mm -hmm. yeah. And is this, is this, I mean, you mentioned, we mentioned at the start of the show, you know, you've worked for L'Oreal and Dove and Lays and a few of these other big brands. Um, and you mentioned at the start that you saw a, a number of um, mistakes being made by entrepreneurs that, you know, these big brands weren't making and they take these small concepts to multi-million dollar ideas. Is this what they're doing? Is this where they're yes. starting? That's exactly what they're doing. In fact, there's one brand I worked on. The phase of building the community and research took them about six years before the concept went to market. Seriously? Yes. Wow. What happens, if you, what happens if you don't have six years, though? You know, you kind of want to get up and <laughs> oh, running quickly. Well, yeah. For them, of course, it takes them six years because the, the risks are higher. Like there's a lot of vetting. For small businesses, my ideal clients take about three to four months. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's really, um, I've simplified those long processes they take to show, to make them shorter for these small uh, entrepreneurs, but it's because for them, there's a lot of bureaucracy. Like there's a lot of vetting. There's a lot of R and D. There's, there's so much that goes into launching a brand for a big brand than it takes for a small company. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. So, um, so that's the startup phase, right? So we're starting out. We've, we understand the difference now between brand and product. Uh, we understand the importance of community um, and having those, building those stark raving fans. Um, what do we need to, when we sort of move to the growth phase or we've got a business that's actually in this sort of growth stage, what do we need to be focusing on there? Oh, yeah. So the growth phase is you're in this phase now when you've started having consistent sales in your mind, you're now like, oh, my God, this is working. So if you if you're feeling that way, the first thing you need to do is now start understanding your numbers, Mm -hmm. because the difference between moving from growth to scaling is what you do with the data inside your business. People think scaling is a lot of work. Scaling is just looking at your numbers. We talked about building a business with scientific precision, mm-hmm. understanding it and duplicating the efforts that already worked. So this is your stage to start understanding things like what's your gross margin? What's your cost per acquisition? What's your net promoter score? Like how, how, how likely are your uh, customers willing to refer this product to somebody else? It's you looking at what's your return on money invested. It's, understanding every single data in your business and this is not something that happens when you say it's not something that happens you mean it's not something that happens in smaller e-commerce business we just keep going and going and going we don't stop and look at the data yes 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 we don't because also think about it most people who are starting this businesses are creatives Mm -hmm. they love to create they love to bring things to life so looking at numbers doesn't come um easy but it's one of the things that uh, needs to be embraced in this stage. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do this, get a mentor, get a peer advisor to guide you through this process. Yeah, that's that's top advice to any entrepreneur out there who's listening. Because if you're like mm-hmm. me, I love the startup. It's the startup mm-hmm. phase that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's like, you know, every day I'm thinking, what new business could I start today? Because that's what I enjoy, right? That's the whole thing. And then once it's up and running, I get bored. Genuinely, I just mm-hmm. get, it's like, okay, I've, I've done my bit. I want to go start something else. The good news is, and, you know, thank God, I actually have a fantastic team around me that kind of, <laughs> they, 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 I think we've learned to, to sort of work well together over, over years because they kind of take that and they'll, they'll make it work. Um, and one of the things that I'm notoriously bad at doing is monitoring the KPIs, the numbers. Um, so I, I fully understand what you're saying. And I, I, I could put my hand up and go, yes, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. That's me right there. Um, so what are some of the KPIs? You, I mean, you mentioned we should look at gross margin. Um, you mentioned the net promoter score, the NPS. Just for those of you who maybe for those of who are listening to the show that don't know what that means, just explain what that is. Net promoter score is the score that really gives you an understanding of how likely is your customer going to refer this product to somebody else. This is important because repeat sales in a product-based business are the lifeblood of your company. Mm -hmm. You can't build a business constantly acquiring and acquiring without getting repeat sales. Acquisition is expensive, and depending yep. on what your acquisition strategy is, you you could either stay in business or get out of business if you don't have good um, repeat um, sales. So it's good yep. to know. 
Yeah, no, it's very good. Well, that's, and uh, I think that I first heard of the Net Promoter Score because it was one of those things that Apple's been championing for years, isn't it? It's something that they're constantly measuring their NPS, the Net Promoter Score. Um, And it looks at people who are going to refer you versus what they call detractors, if memory serves me right, people that actually are positively out there telling people never to use your brand, um, which I find quite fascinating. And so, and again, you're right, you know, the, the, the understanding that your business will really go to the next level when your customers are referring you and you're a lot of repeat business uh, and referral business. Um, I think it's, is is critical. Yeah. So double down, understand the numbers, the net promoter score, gross margin. Are there any other numbers that I should be thinking about? Uh, return on ad spend, mm-hmm. um, understanding your average order value, um, understanding your cost per acquisition and cost per acquisition is important because you have to make sure that you're you're getting paid enough to acquire a customer. Mm-hmm. Because what, when people don't understand the AOV and the cost per acquisition, they end up finding themselves either breaking even when it comes to acquiring a customer or going at a loss. Yeah. So understanding those numbers are, uh, are really, really important. Yeah, and I, I mean... It's a really interesting point you make here because and you know, I, I was always told there are three possibilities when you with your uh, cost per acquisition. One, you made a profit. Two, you broke even. Or three, like you say, you made a loss. And actually, all three of them are quite valid strategies if, if you're prepared for that. So it might sound a bit counterintuitive, but a lot of people, Amazon being the classic one, ran at a number of years at making a loss on customer acquisition, didn't they? Um, but now they're they're huge, and so um, if you've got the the investment to in effect run at a loss to buy the customers, it's it can be an effective strategy. Um, what I see most companies doing when it comes to cost per acquisition, especially with paid media, is going for the break even, and so the first sale breaks even um, with the belief that you can either upsell, cross sell, or you can then sell to them again down the line, and the yes. profit comes later. Yes. Is that, but that's is that a, fair comment? But that's a smart that's that's a smart person. That's 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 a smart entrepreneur. A lot of people don't have that knowledge. Mm. You know? So a lot of people would either breaking even but don't do anything on the back end because yeah. they just think of the sale. But that's why it's good to understand the mac the, the the mechanics behind everything we're saying because there's a reason why they work. Yeah, that's very <laughs> true. And there's, there's, yeah, and find out what works and go with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. So you mentioned that um, that branding is why people buy you. Marketing is how people find you. What are some of the the marketing channels that we need to be thinking about? Um, marketing channels, traditional marketing channels are categorized either uh, as organic or paid. Mm -hmm. So organic strategies are outside, either if it's offline strategies you're selling or referral or anything that you're not doing um, any paid activity for. For paid, there's Facebook advertising, Google advertising, YouTube advertising. Think about any advertising that you do to get a customer. Other marketing strategies that you could do are text message marketing. If your business can support that, if you have a team to support that marketing channel, but 
referral strategies and other marketing, but all this depends on what resonates with you as a business owner, how much money you have, how big your team is, and what type of a brand and business you have. So I guess one of the things that I've seen a lot of people do when it comes to marketing channels is they're, they're always looking for the silver bullet. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the, the undiscovered, untapped channel that is going to rake it in for them, which is why when Clubhouse came out, there's a massive surge to Clubhouse. Do you know what I mean? Or, and these things take off and people then release a course telling you how to make millions on Clubhouse, you know, for 1995 or whatever it is. Um, every channel that you have just mentioned is not that silver bullet channel. These are very well established very um obvious marketing channels so if i go back to the bigger brands is that what they use or are they trying to do this i'm going to go covert on clubhouse thing because no one's really no. using it no big big brands try to uh, stick to what is tried and tested what has worked for them and then they just duplicate and amplify their efforts for them but this but this is a concept that can sound very confusing but I want to introduce something that's uh, a strategy that's called how brands grow. Mm-hmm. The biggest level of growth in your business is going to be distribution. Because if people can't find you, they won't buy you. So if you think about the big brands, they spend a lot of time trying to expand their distribution, meaning trying to be in many retailers, in many places, airports. Think about it, retail stores, dr- drug stores because they know that's how they can grow. Like the vast majority of their sales come from there. Then they layer on marketing just to prime and remind people that they do exist. Mm-hmm. So for small businesses, if you think about it, it's the flip. People think it's the memory awareness that they need to push before the distribution. And, okay. And so, well, so yeah. to, to to answer your question on on for, for big brands, they when it comes to marketing, they stick to their tried and tested. It's TV, it's digital, period. And each brand has a strategy. So for mm-hmm. for, for the company I was working on, the brands that have the largest budget, that they're the cash cow of the company, they drive eighty percent of the sales, will get TV placement and mm-hmm. advertising. The smaller brands will be marketed through digital channels, through social media platforms. And rarely will they get funding to be on TV. So it's also, very, it's also very customized based on who the audience is, what the budget of for the brand is, and what the long-term strategy for the brand is as well. Yeah. So if I'm translating that for the, the, small, the small business, you know, that's that's recently started out, you know, you've got your brand, you've got your community and you're starting to see some success. Um, you've figured out which strategy you're going with in terms of, are you uh, making a profit, breaking even, or are you losing money on your first sale on your first order? Um, I'm going to bet that 99% of the people listening are going to go, well, TV is definitely out. I'm not going to do yeah, any yeah. TV advertising, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of people then focus on digital um, which is fine. I think 
what's your advice there for people like which because there's so many channels digitally to, to that people could look at mm-hmm. um, and and you become tempted to split your money every way because one person over here is saying you know you need to advertise on pinterest another person saying you need to advertise on instagram how do, how do we determine uh where where to put up a payment uh our, our advertising dollar uh it's it's determined on based on your audience and how they consume their content and how they receive information so for example if you're selling if you're selling to the younger crowd you probably want to be on platforms like instagram mm-hmm. because they're always on instagram so when you do a sponsored ad they will always see it right if you're selling if you're selling to a more mature crowd, you probably will be doing Facebook Facebook ads, you'll be doing, but Facebook ads is standard pretty much. <laughs> like everybody yeah, is doing yeah. Facebook ads. So, so you, you could potentially do Google ads because maybe you're, if you're selling to a mature crowd, they're so used to going in Google and finding their products as opposed to a, a younger crowd that they, they go to social media to find out what they need before they go to Google. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. I mean, the, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is basically figure out where your customers are, figure out where your yeah. tribe is and, and go to those platforms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that makes that saves a whole lot of heartache right there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the platforms you like, it's the platforms your customers like. That's the key thing. Um, mm-hmm. One of my key learnings, I think, over the years. So if I if I go back to the, the start, um, Maureen, we talked about um, some of the mistakes that people make. So one of them being people feel like they've got a product, they've got a business. And we talked about the whole idea around community and building a brand. Um, But you said another thing was uh, this idea of growth strategy, you know, this creating a growth strategy and plan. You you didn't see a lot of businesses doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the things that I should think about in that plan? I mean, I know we've touched on a few uh, in our conversation, maybe so what are some of the, the other bits maybe that I'm missing or should should add into the, the fray here? Oh, that's a good question. And just to explain that mistake is because we're so into our business, we're deep into the weeds, we often have a year-over-year mentality. So this is 2021. So in 2022, we're just going to do what worked in 2021. Mm-hmm. But we don't sit down as CEOs and ask ourselves, where do I want my brand to be in three years, in five years? Like we don't have a horizon that oftentimes we're working towards. So that what we need to shift is starting to embrace strategic thinking so that we don't lose focus and also so that we create strategies that will allow us to expand. Like we talked about having a hero, we talked about launching with a hero focus. Okay, if you've done this for a number of years, you've had success, it's time for you to start thinking about innovation and innovating for growth, mm-hmm. not innovating just to innovate. So if you're thinking about innovating for growth, you have to sit down and think about what product can I add? What category or line item can I add into my business that will bring me a, a different audience or that will allow me to grow my audience base? Because at the, end of the ta- uh, at the end of the day, you just want to keep growing your audience base. But in the small entrepreneur 
space, we don't think about that. We just innovate and bring products that would cannibalize what we already have. And a great example is if you're doing, if you've done skincare for a very long time, you've been selling a moisturizer, lotion, uh, cleanser, toner for a period of time, it's time for you to think how, how what else can I add that will complement the skincare line? Could it be like a cosmetic line, a simple foundation? Could it be accessories? Because this time now you're bringing a customer who can buy an accessory, then they discover they love your accessory and move over to your skincare line, mm -hmm. as opposed to coming and adding in a mask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're literally swapping the toner for the mask, but that's mm -hmm. a growth strategy that people don't think about. That's, really that's number one. Yeah. Oh, then the other thing is um, beginning to uh, think about hiring a team, getting support and growing your business because you don't want to get to a point where you're either burnt out and then you shut your business down because it's driving you insane or you're not able to scale because you don't have the support. You don't have, you haven't looked at your numbers or you don't know whether you have disposable income to hire, hire a team. That, that work doesn't happen because we're too into the details and the weeds. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Now, I like that. I, I, I like the, the, the different way you're thinking there, Maureen. And my, my mind is going off in 25,000 different directions right now, um, which, is, which is, uh, is always a good sign. Um, Listen, I, I, I genuinely feel like we could carry on having this conversation, uh, which, is, which is always a good sign, I feel, is always a good sign. Yeah. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just brilliant. I, lots of, again, lots of notes. Um, for those of you who listen to the show regulars, you know that on Fridays we have our team meetings and I, I just go through my notes and go, come on, guys, let's, let's think about how do we do what Maureen has said, right? So... Um, it's interesting because we're we're probably going to be starting, I would imagine, over the next few months, around five or six businesses, we've uh, e-commerce sites we've got planned with some new product, uh, different style of products coming out, which I'm really excited about. Um, but I, some of the stuff you said today around branding and community, let's just revisit that, see what see what's going on there. So thank you so much. Listen, Maureen, how do people reach you? How do they get hold of you? How can they connect with you? Um, you can find me on my Facebook group. It's called Product Entrepreneurs Who Scale. So just go on Facebook, type Product Entrepreneurs Who Scale. The group will pop up. You'll be prompted to answer three questions. Answer them and we'll welcome you with open arms. Or you can find me on Instagram at Maureen Wangi Official. Maureen oh. Wangi Official. Official, I like that. Yeah. Does that mean does that mean the Maureen Mwangi had gone by the time you'd logged onto Instagram? No, it's because I had a personal page. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the official is the business page. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I might try that. Matt Edmondson official. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds very grand. Uh, and of course, we will put links to Maureen in the show notes. Uh, you can reach her that way, including links to the Facebook group and to Maureen's Instagram feed. Uh, Maureen, thank you so, so much. Genuinely, uh, really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I'm just really psyched and pleased by the quality of the guests we get on the show and the conversations that we have. I feel like I learn more than anybody else, which is uh, always a good sign. So 
thank you so much for being on the show. Genuinely, I really appreciate it. It's been an absolute treat. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. No, you've been brilliant. Thanks, Maureen. Wasn't Maureen absolutely fantastic? Uh, and like I said, if you if you want access to the show notes, then head on over to the web uh, website, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 62, uh, and you will get access to that. Now, if you are watching the live stream or you're watching the video, you will have seen scrolling along the bottom of the page, a little note saying, uh, obviously you can access the show notes, the links and the transcripts at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 62, but you can also get access to this week's giveaway. I need kind of like a drum roll sign. Uh, This week, uh, you can, if you've enjoyed what Maureen has said, she has got some very cool training uh, on this whole idea um, of uh, growth uh, that you're going to want to get hold of. And she is making that available to you for free, uh, my amazing listeners and viewers. Yes, you can get that. Now, some of the stuff that she is going to cover in that, the three not so obvious mistakes, uh, <laughs> I've gone out to talk, the three not so obvious mistakes product-based entrepreneurs make so if that whole thing uh, earlier on about being a product-based entrepreneur resonated with you, uh, you're going to want to get hold of this teaching, let me tell you. Um, how to identify the one growth strategy you need to focus on first to increase sales now, plus the sales maximizer spreadsheet. This is probably the single reason why I'm going to sign up. The sales maximizer spreadsheet big brands use to find their next million-dollar growth opportunity and how to use it for your own brand. There's a spreadsheet involved. I'm there. (laughs) Oh, dear. No, it sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Seriously, if you are interested in getting access to that free training from Maureen, then do head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 62. There is a little form on there just putting your name and your email address, and we will give you uh, all the information you need to get access to that training. Thanks again to Maureen for doing that. Very, very, very grateful. Now, All that's left for me to say is uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you haven't yet done so, why don't you subscribe? Because it costs you nothing. That's right, other than to click a button. And it really helps us get the word out uh, about the show and helps us to continue to do what we do so we can bring you this weekly free content, uh, which I think is quite cool and quite valuable. And we can bring that to you every single week, week in, week out. All you have to do is like, comment, subscribe, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook. Um, Like I say, really appreciate it. It just helps us to continue to do what we do which I just love. I love these kind of conversations. Brilliant, aren't they? Absolutely brilliant. So that's it for this week. Make sure you join us again next week as we carry on our conversation with our amazing guests. And next week is no exception. We've got a great conversation coming up. So make sure, like I say, you're subscribed and connected to us so you don't miss what's coming up. Uh, in the coming weeks. And if you get the opportunity at uh, on Thursday, 7pm here in the UK, which I think is 2pm uh, Eastern Seaboard time, uh, and you can figure out, you know, if you're not sure, just head on over to our website, there'll be all kinds of converters on there, which tell you what time zone we're in. But that's when we do the live recording and you can come and join in the live stream, put your comments to our guests and all kinds of good stuff. So why not try that out as well? All right, that's it from me. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. I'll be back again very, very soon. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, 
tips and tools for building your business online.